This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, whether that's Rovers throwing in a drab nil-nil in the Championship or taking Newcastle all the way to a penalty shootout in the fifth round of the FA Cup, You'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So, the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18+. plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Asante came to TurboTax after graduating from culinary school and landing a job in the hottest kitchen in town. My hands are full all day, every day. I love it. Asante, as your TurboTax expert, I'll make your moves count, guaranteeing 100% accurate filing and your maximum refund. Sound good? Yes, expert! Switch to Intuit TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Hello, this is Sam Smodix here, and welcome to the 4,000 Holes podcast. You are listening to the 4,000 Holes podcast, brought to you by the people at brfcs.com, and sponsored by the lovely people at the Terrace. Hello, and welcome to the 4,000 Holes podcast, the What Now show with myself, Roger Whiteside, joined this week by my guests, Ian Herbert, James Marsh, and Holly Hawksford. Uh, Great to have you all with us. We've got a packed show as normal, split into three sections of around 10 minutes. In section one, we'll be having a look at our September and October international break review. In section two, we will go straight over to Mr. Ian Herbert for this uh, month's BRFCS Player of the Month for September, Who's Hot, Who's Not section that we uh, like very much here on the podcast. And in section three, a sort of new section that we're going to come up with. I'm going to give each panelist and maybe even myself 30 seconds to get any Rovers-related topic off their chest in a section I'm calling Hear Me Out. Uh, Hopefully we can uh, have a little debate on that at the end. And also we've been promised a little quiz by Mr. Herbert. So plenty to get our teeth stuck into and for you to enjoy listening to on this week's podcast. Let's get straight to it. Topic number one, and I'm going to come straight to James. James, interesting month from September through to October. Just to recap there, Sunderland at home, Ipswich away, which uh, were both defeats, of course. A victory over Cardiff in the League Cup was followed by further defeats at home to Leicester and Coventry and rounding off the September slash October international stretch of games with a fine victory away at Loftus Road this past Saturday. James, what have you made of the the run we've been on? The word to describe it would be stressful. It was very stressful. Um, I actually don't think the performances have been that bad. I don't think it was that bad against Sunderland. I just thought Daniel Ballard was just turned into Prime Maldini that night. In that first half, it was outstanding. I think Ipswich was mainly down to just some poor individual errors. Leicester just got to run with the league, I think, and they just out, they just outclassed us from 
start to finish. I don't think it's I don't think it's obviously been a bad month in terms of points gained and points lost, but I don't I don't think the performances have been, been that bad. I just don't think we've had the rub of the green as such. But to round off with a convincing win against QPR um, is a good way to end it. First fixture of September, uh, which was at home park away against Plymouth, which I know Holly you were at. I was in Florida at the time on my holidays, and I must admit it's much easier to take a defeat when you're on holiday in a pool. But uh, you were there at home park. Not a great way to start the month. Yeah. Uh, well. We had great weather, so, so we probably had the best bit of Florida in in uh, in Plymouth. To be honest, it was uh, like James said. I don't think we played badly. I don't think it was um, a performance that uh, alluded to the scoreline. Um, it was just one of those days where it just didn't. Like I think I spoke to a fan in a pub afterwards, um, and he said it just wasn't your day. Like you could have. Uh, had chance after chance after chance which we did and they were never going to go in I said to my friend Linz I said we could be here two three hours and we still wouldn't score today it was just one of them days there's been some individual errors which seems to be the the buzzwords for September and October um, but I think as, as a whole I don't think we've, we've played badly I think we've played nice football it's just we struggled to convert in the final third I think there's been times where we look to always pass it into the goal and we just need to have someone just to give a give it a go, like have a shot. Quite pleased that James Hill seems to be doing that and he can keep doing that as well because that looks great. <laughs> um, Ipswich I went to as well. Okay. Um, first 45 minutes was terrible. Second half, much better. And I think that seems to be the, the trend at the minute. We can't seem to put a good 90 minutes of football together. Yeah, I mean that seems to be the the subject or the, the the buzzword of this period of games, which is that we've played really well in parts, but yet leaky at the back and can't score goals up front. Ian, come to you for a little overview from yourself on this uh, run of fixtures. Do you agree with that? I mean, I know you've seen a lot of the games from afar rather than being at the games, but uh, you agree with the sentiments from Holly and James? Yeah, I think that the uh, not being able to put two consecutive halves together certainly applied until last Saturday. So Middlesbrough, I was at Ewood for that game. We we came out, we, we stormed it. But then as soon as they scored, we were panic-stricken and it ended up being a very narrow victory, though given some of Middlesbrough's results of late, that's possibly a better victory than it, than it appeared at the time. Uh, Sunderland, I thought, outplayed us in the second half, frankly. We were always having to come out and be more expansive when we left ourselves wide open. Ipswich was almost like the Rotherham game in the first half was bloody awful in the second half. We thought we'd pulled it back round, but only for, uh, shall we say, a mistake to give them the fourth goal. Uh, Leicester was men against boys, frankly. Whilst we, we did threaten to get back into it briefly, I think once they went up a gear, um, then they, they left us out of sight. So Saturday was, was a great relief, I think, to actually put a 90-minute performance together to get a clean sheet. That said... It's QPR, and they really, really are poor. So let's not get too carried away. I think those two results against Leicester and QPR show the championship in its extremes. Leicester are a Premier League side in waiting, and QPR, I'm afraid, on Saturday's show, are a League One side in waiting. Yeah, I was at the game at Loftus Road this past weekend and would agree completely what you said, that Rovers played pretty well and were pretty clinical on the day, obviously. Dolan, nice to see him finally get off the mark for this season. Sigurdsson with a couple of nice goals, particularly the second one. And the 
uh, Smodic's goal really summed up QPR, which was an awful defensive error from their right back. I don't know what he's trying to do, play across the box and just like heads gone moment. And really, Moran should have scored and uh, Britain created a, a havoc down that right inside the second half. They really could have had five or six, I thought. Uh, but again, uh, you can only beat what's in front of you and QPR work great, but you take the points, you move on, put them in the bag. And I don't think, I think Rovers will be closer to mid-table than QPR will at the end of the season, but probably Rovers will be closer to mid-table to, than Leicester will be, as as we sort of alluded to there. I think Leicester, for me, was one of the best sides I've seen down at Ewood in a long time. I know we've got that bit of a Burnley bias being Rovers fans. Uh, I wasn't too impressed with them at the back end of last season, although they'd already clinched promotion by then and they were ruthlessly efficient. Whereas I thought Leicester just had gears and gears and gears to go to and the bench was frightening to look at. And uh, I'd be very, very surprised if they don't break the 100-point mark this season and, and go up convincingly uh, as champions. Uh, just any final thoughts from you, James? Holly, anything on the month that sort of sticks out to you? We haven't spoke about the the, Carl, the Carabao Cup, any of the, the Carling Cup there, showed my age, or the Worthington Cup, or the Coca-Cola Cup, or the, the League Cup, or the Milk Cup back in your day, Ian, I'm sure. But uh, any anything to take from the, uh, the whole match there, James, against Cardiff? And obviously Chelsea away, something to look forward to at the start of November. Andy Moran is a player. Uh, he he, he's going to be one of them that I'll fall in love with and I'm going to be really sad when he goes back to Brighton it's going to be Van Heck 2.0 he's he's, he's he's just an incredible ball carrier so quick on the turn he, he's just a player a really good player and I, I think we're really lucky to have him on the books for a season I agree um, yeah Holly just mentioned about Chelsea away you, you're going to that one or you'll be trying to get tickets for that one Fingers crossed, yeah. Um, I think I said it in the last pod I was on, cup runs are something that we've really, really missed as a club. And I think, again, JDT showing that he's putting uh, respect on, on the cups as they come. Obviously, we had pretty pretty confident performance against Cardiff. But what I like about the cup is that we do get to see some of the younger ones come through and get some goals. We have, obviously, a couple of really good lo- loan players. Uh, Moran, I think... We forget how young he is as well. Like I would count him as a youngster, um, but he looks just so confident with the ball. And I think, yeah, I'm, I'm on, I'm on board with that. I think he's going to break our hearts at the end of the season when he goes back to Brighton. Fingers crossed, we'll get tickets for Chelsea, and it'll be a big upset. Yeah, I think three thousand plus tickets available. So uh, hopefully there'll be plenty further. All the Rovers fans wanting to make the trip down to West London to Stamford Bridge. And so that rounds up section one. We're going to move on to section two after this. Welcome back to section two of this week's podcast, where we're going to be looking at the BRFCS Players of the Months with Mr. Ian Herbert. Ian, over to you. Thanks, Roger. Yeah, the fans have been voting after the games in the match centre on the BRFCS website. So if you want to join in the fun in future games, get yourself over there. You have 24 hours after a game to register your votes and we collect them and we publish the results after each game. And we can look at September's results now. I can tell you that the BRFCS supported by Rovers Trust Player of the Month for September is Sammy Smodix. Perhaps not a massive surprise there. He had a terrific game, particularly against Middlesbrough, where he scored an amazing 8.7, which is one of the highest scores I think we've ever recorded uh, in a man of the match poll. Uh, And he carried through a consistent performance uh, against Sunderland and Ipswich as well. So he was our Player of the Month for September. I think we should also call out Callum Britton, 
who had a very solid and steady month throughout September. And also Arnie Sigurdsson only featured in one of our polls in September, but he scored uh, he scored highly, and he scored against Ipswich in that match in September. I have a funny feeling that Mr Sigurdsson's results in October might be good as well. So that's one to, to look out for. Players at the moment who are struggling, well, I think we can, we can say Ainsley Pears uh, had that pretty, well, shall we say, shaky performance against Plymouth where he cost a couple of goals. Uh, and he sadly uh, became the the figure of blame, I think, against Ipswich where he recorded the lowest score that we've ever seen in a player of the match poll. So uh, hopefully when he comes back from his injury, uh, he can sort of like recover his form. But it'll be interesting to see whether Leopold lets him get his place back in the team. Uh, the other player that I'm keen to look out for, and again, after Saturday's performance against QPR, maybe he's back on the up now, and that's Tyrese Dolan. So if he can get his form back in order, get the contract signed and get back to the player we know he can be, that will be terrific. But just to recap, Sammy Smodix, the uh, called up to Republic of Ireland now, is our player of the month for September. So, yes, there we go. Player of the month, Sammy Smodix. James, I'll throw it over to you with your thoughts on Mr. Smodix and uh, how impressive he is and how deserving he is of the accolade of international call-up with uh, the Republic of Ireland. I think he should have got that call-up sooner. To be honest, he's he's been outstanding. He's already beat his goal tally from last season, and we've only played about eleven games, something like that. He presses from the front. He, I can't, I don't have enough words to describe him. Just he puts in a hundred percent. He leaves it all out on the pitch. Then an, an outstanding player, and my Twitter has become a bit, a little bit of a fan fanboy page on him because I, I'm running, I'm just running out of superlatives to call him. He's just we all worried about whether. Someone could fill that dark void and dark left, and Schmeitz has filled that void, and I think he will get at least twenty goals this season. I think that's a bold claim, oh, but I think I think, that is I a think bold claim. it is. But I, I, I think the positions he gets himself in, like, and the way he takes his goals are so well. Like the goal he took against Middlesbrough was brilliant. His half, his turn against Ipswich was brilliant. His finish against QPR was brilliant. I just think his confidence is at an all-time high. Great start to the season. Obviously, he's got to try and keep it going. Is he still on penalties? Perhaps if he's on penalties, he might get to 20 combined. I don't know over the, the season. But uh, what was it good about him at QPR, I felt, with Sodix, is that he desperately wanted to score. You tell you tell that he's got that mindset at the moment where he's not happy almost unless he scores the goals. Uh, and he, he was you know, doing his usual running around and being hard, being a bit of a pest. But you could tell he was doing everything in his power to score a goal. He's had a great start to the season. Another name that was mentioned, Holly, Callum Britton, who I think we've all been impressed with. Uh, so if I mentioned it before that he came on at a, a sort of right wing uh, on Saturday in the second half. And I thought he did really well. Obviously, we mentioned about James Hill and he's had a, a reasonable start as well to his campaign. Uh, Callum Britton, you're a fan, Holly. You, you think he's, uh, he's sort of Mr. Versatile almost for the club at the moment? Yeah, definitely. I think he's proven that he's just willing to get stuck in, whether it's his position or not. He's just willing to just pull his socks up and do the best he can for the club. He is quiet and unassuming sometimes, and I think uh, he can have quietly really good games without doing a lot that people notice. So I've always been a fan of Callum. I think he's brilliant, and I think it was unlucky when he got injured last year, that he did lose his position in, in the team because I think he does deserve a position in the team. And I think he, without him, 
we're not as good going forward uh, but he also obviously does get stuck in at the back as well but yeah I have to say my two-piece on on Sammy Smodix as well because he's also one of my favourite players and I think without a doubt we are a worse team without him so please don't get injured please stand with please stay with us for a long time <laughs> if we've got any money to spare give him a new contract we Last love time. you thank you yeah Lifetime contract for, <laughs> lifetime contract for Sammy Smodix <laughs> And he stays here until he retires, and then when he retires, he, comes back he just doesn't go anywhere else. Yeah, <laughs> it's become a Sammy Smodix fan loving podcast tonight. Ian, you you've been quite in the sessions as well. I know you uh, introduced the section, but uh, talk to me about Arna Sigurdsson and about the impact that he can have. And I know we've spoke about Sammy Smodix and potentially filling the goals that Ben Burriton scored last season, and uh, he's got off to a good start with that. But other players are going to have to chip in, and Sigurdsson, I've, I've heard. Claims on Twitter, of course, recency bias that uh, Sam uh, Sigurdsson's better than Brereton anyway. So, what are we all worried about? What's your thoughts <laughs> on uh, on our new Icelandic he's, winger? He's very impressive so far, isn't he? He's got lovely touch, lovely technique. I don't think he's shy of confidence either, which I really like. He seems to have, have got an arrogance that he's backed up with talent. I think it's very early days yet, and he's got to maintain it across the whole season. But I'm really, really impressed with what I've seen. He's, he's similar but different to Brereton. Uh, you know, we're playing him wide left and asking him to, to cut inside, which is similar to Brereton. But I think I think he could play through the middle perhaps more readily than, than Ben could. I quite like Brereton Diaz back on loan in January, you know. i quite like to pair him with Sigurdsson. I think that could be quite an interesting forward line. So, uh, do, you know, it, it'll never happen because he's going to end up at Sunderland. You know with no money. Yeah, I know. He's going to end up at Sunderland, isn't he? Because Mowbray will be trying to get the band back together there. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Just before we finish this section, though, one player I do want to call out who has caught the eye, particularly on Saturday, James Hill. He's impressed me. I think he's he's now got three capable right backs. It it gives JDT a headache because who who do you start? Because none of of the three deserve to be dropped. And they're all very versatile. We've seen Hill do it. He'll do a slot at centre mid, Britain do a slot at right wing, and JRC do a slot at winger, centre mid. He can do everything, JRC. So it's a good option. It's a good. It's another good headache for JDT, but he's, he's really impressed with so far. I think there's a reason that he plays for Bournemouth. It's just a shame that obviously he can't get into, well, for him, it's a shame that he can't get into the Bournemouth team, but it's good for us because actually he can come out um, in the Championship which Bournemouth will probably be in the championship next season. But um, he's got the opportunity now to really get some games behind him. And I think he will definitely be challenging for that right-back role. It's For for me, I think the issue then becomes, who's your left-back? Is it Callum Britton or is it Pickering? And I think that's the problem now that JDT has. And them two, I think, are really going to have to battle it out. It seems at the minute that um, JRC is playing in midfield so happily happily let him continue to play there I would like to say just quickly um on Tronstad um I've only seen him play a couple of times but I I I question why he doesn't play more because he is so solid he is so assured when he's on that ball and I just feel confident when he's got it that he's going to be able to just hold on to it and look after it um, and I think we've lacked that sometimes in midfield. Sometimes I think the ball can really pass us by in midfield. But with Sonny in it in the team, I, I think we have a little bit... We feel more assured, for me, in midfield when he's playing. 
Yeah, I mean, he, he played well on Saturday. And interestingly, that Adam Wharton wasn't playing. And there's some been some question marks about Wharton and Travis perhaps being a bit too lightweight. And if you remember back to the start of last season, Buckley played a lot at the start of the season. And then it wasn't quite working. JDT took him out the side and he never got back in. And he, obviously, he's not even at the club anymore because he's out on loan. Uh, just one more thing I want to say about Hill, which I think is so popular in the Championship these days for these like raking long balls from right back to left wing or left wing to right back. And I think it's actually important to have a full back who can head the ball and be quite physical, quite challenging. A lot of the right backs that we have in Britain and in uh, Costello, they're not really like defensive winners of the ball, headers of the ball. I think that's important in sort of like the modern championship where everyone's trying to play the right way, but the long book, the long like boot, the long punt over across the field um, is sort of quite effective. Hill's had a good start and hopefully he can carry that on. Just before we move on from this section, I know we're just running on a little bit on time-wise, but I want to talk about the pairs Wolstad debate, of course, which uh, has been most popular amongst the supporter base. <laughs> Uh, James, I can see you uh, getting uh, getting uh, sat up in your seat there. You're a big fan of Leo. Uh, was it right for Ainsley to sort of come out of the side? I mean, maybe a bit of a blessing in disguise that he got injured. Not that you'd wish injury on anyone, of course, but uh, it sort of forced JDT's hand a little bit. Yeah, obviously it's unfo- unfortunate that Perez got injured, but it's also it is a blessing in disguise that we can see Prince Leo. That's why I call it Prince Leo. That we can see him. That we can see him play. The times I've watched. Most Leo player, obviously, so then um, he looked very calm, composed on the ball, and he doesn't make me as nervous as Pears does, and he seems to command his box a bit better. And um, I've only seen him once against Coventry; he didn't really have many highlights to, to show off against QPR. But against Coventry, he looked very calm and composed on the ball. He looked like he commanded his box a lot better than what Pears would. Yeah, for me, I think when, even when Pears does come back, I think Leo Prince Leo needs to keep his place. Holly, you're a fan of uh, the new goalkeeper, the new Swedish sensation. I'm not going to call him Prince Leo because that's just tragic, James. That's a tragic <laughs> nickname. That's not that's not catching on. I'm going to stop that. I'm going to nip that right in the bud right now. But uh, yeah, Holly, uh, Pears, he did struggle away at Ipswich, didn't he, in that contest? And uh, definitely, for me, was responsible for a couple of uh, errors. And maybe, who knows, maybe the best thing for Pears just to have a bit of time out the side, just to sort of refocus the mind and a bit of competition never hurt anybody, as so the saying goes. Yeah, I think Pears was definitely at fault for, I'd say, three of the goals, uh, at least, um, at Ipswich. His positioning for me and his decision-making is is the thing that I think he really needs to improve on. And I think competition is the, the thing that, that well, it's the only thing that will improve some players um, because they, they're forced to improve. And if they don't, then they simply just miss out. Finally, on this section, as we mentioned, just great to see Tyrese Dolan sort of back on form at the weekend. And you could tell as soon as he scored his goal, some of the tricks came up, but in, in a good way, in a sort of aggressive, positive sort of way. I think you're always going to get highs and lows with uh, with Tyrese, but I think his heart's in the right place. And I think he always tries his hardest. And uh, hopefully he goes on a little bit of a run from here. That's the thoughts of our panel. Of course, we'll be interested to see what you uh, think and what your opinions are on who's been the player of the month in September, who's stood out for you, who's perhaps disappointed you. And of course, you can get involved with us over on the brfcs.com forums. We'll be back in a moment for section three.
Uh, welcome back to section three of this week's 4,000 Holes podcast, The What Now Show, with myself, Roger Whiteside, joined by Ian Herbert, James Marsh, and Holly Hawksford. For a new section, I'm calling Hear Me Out. Now, this is like a little 30-second rant I'm going to give to each of our panelists, and I'm going to afford myself the luxury of also having a little rant myself, because I enjoy doing that, and that's what I'm going to do. So <laughs> we're going to go from there, little, any topic, anything you want to be in the Rovers universe, it could be about... Uh, the fans, price of tickets, kits, anything you want to be about, which uh, we've done a little bit of a, a pre-preparation, pre-game on this one. So I'm going to come straight to Ian. And I'm going to say, Ian, hear me out, dot, dot, dot. People who know me well know that I'm, I'm very passionate about kits. So we, we're going to have three kits, it seems now, forever because of the commercial possibilities. So if one of them's black and one of them's yellow, wear the black one away at Rotherham, and we're the yellow one away at Ipswich, because black against blue isn't a bigger a bigger contrast as the highlighter pen yellow against blue would be. And black against red and white would be, would be perfect. That's absolutely fine. Makes perfect sense. I don't know who the kit man is at Rovers, but sort it out. Kits. There you go. Brilliant. Brilliant start, Ian. I sort of agree with you. I mean, this is where we throw it open to the panel for, for everyone to have a, I mean, I know you're obsessive with kits, Ian, and I like the kits as well. I know another point you're making, maybe there's bigger fish to fry, I'm not sure. I'm going to come next to Holly. Holly, you've got 30 seconds. Hear me out, dot, 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 a Rover's 30-second rant from you. Ticket prices, um, away ones, well, I think home ones as well, to be honest. There's a lot of times when you're paying sort of £37, I think it was, for QPR this weekend. I mean, it's great when you win, but it's not great when you're trekking all that all that way. You're spending a lot of money on either petrol or coach prices or trains or whatever else. Um, and it's just, it's a lot of money, especially for sort of working working class towns or even not working class towns. It's a lot of money to be spending week in, week out. Um, to go and watch football Um, and I think that's where we need to be careful as a league that we want to continue to encourage people to come to watch football especially live and I think that needs to be looked at as a whole. I'll let you have more time there Holly because you were speaking what everyone wants to hear I'm sure which is put a cap on prices at the championship level how is there not a cap on away ticket prices of 25 pounds I think that's a fair price for all the clubs of course we'll you know we'll get it at Sheffield Wednesday we'll get it at Leeds 37 pounds admittedly yeah I mean I enjoyed the trip to QPR don't get me wrong at the weekend but 37 pounds for anybody who's been to Loftus Road it's an old stadium there's no concourse of any no. It's not particularly great for female fans. And I was there with my my partner over the weekend. It's just it's an antiquated old football stadium. It's not built for 21st century purposes. And uh, yeah, I can't agree more. James, I'm going to come to you for your 30 second rant. Hear me out. Any Rovers related rant? 30 seconds starting now. I absolutely love JDT, and I hope he's at the club for a very very long time. But it, it winds me up when he makes the same comment. Nearly every week, lack of experience, lack of experience, lack of a goal scorer, lack of a goal scorer. I get it. We we do lack a leader. We do lack experience. We do maybe lack a goal scorer. But kind of just get on with it and don't have to repeat it nearly every week. It, it but it's starting to bug me a bit. But I do love him, so I hope he stays for a long time. There you go. JDT's re- re- sort of what are we talking? Sort of. Uh reiteration of the same points over and over again. Ian, what's your thoughts on that? If there's one thing I do like to hear time and time again from JGT, it's the passive aggression of Steve. 
I'm particularly yeah. about the bus. That, that, that's really funny. That. But the number of jibes about the bus and not having fans away to my left and things like that, I think that's that's very, very funny. That dynamic, that power dynamic is really interesting to watch. Holly? I agree. Um, and I think I do wonder sometimes what the players think of his comments um, and how, like, is it just reiterating gaps and negative things about what we don't have um and i think um, i would hope that he's not the same when he's talking to them one-on-one for me i think jdt speaks a lot of sense doesn't he and i don't i think he's one of the few managers who comes out and will actually be quite blunt and quite say it maybe that's a scandinavian thing maybe that's obviously not being a a british manager maybe he feels as though he's got nothing to lose i don't know but uh, he definitely seems to say the right thing more than the wrong thing uh, and maybe again that's because he's still quite fresh as a manager i know with mowbray i used to love listening to tony mowbray's eulogies uh, after the match and artists and warriors and, and all that and then by the you know four or five years down the line you're thinking oh no not again tony like turn it off you know change the channel please but uh but yeah yeah good point i'll, I'll just have my 30 seconds quickly now and that is just to say i was obviously i've mentioned that i was at the uh, QPR game over the weekend. And we just, as a Rovers fan, we sing so many songs against Burnley. And it's not that I, I mean, I don't like Burnley as much as the next Rovers fan, but please let's sing songs that are pro Rovers or pro the players. Do, enough of this Burnley are going down, Burnley are rubbish. Like, I don't care about Burnley. The only, just get over it. Like, you know, our fans would say that other fans are obsessed with us if they were singing these sort of songs. So, uh, so yeah, Rovers away fans. Be more original. That's my rant over. Although I will just caveat that by saying one final thing, which is that the uh, the Rovers fans' banter towards Gareth Ainsworth on uh, Saturday was brilliant. And to be fair to Gareth Ainsworth, he took it quite well. So uh, credit to the Rovers fans there. But uh, yeah, less Burnley, more Rovers. And to end this week's podcast, we'll throw it back over to Mr. Ian Herbert, who's got a little quiz. Ian, over to you. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to test your knowledge of Rovers players of the 70s and 80s because I think that's fair given that you're all so young. Do, do you think that's that's a reasonable thing to do? Absolutely so what I, not. <laughs> I'm warning that, yeah. So what I've done is I've done a bit of Googling and, I, oh. and I've uh, written down the names of some former mayors of Blackburn and Blackburn and Darwin. And in amongst those names, I shall sprinkle some names of former Rovers players. And I want you to tell me who oh, is the former Rovers players. So you're all going to get four names. One of them will be a former Rovers player. And I want you to guess from the list of names. So I'm going to start with you, James. So here oh, we go. Right. Listen to the four names first of all. <laughs> James Hoyle, Thomas Eccles, John Miller, or William Thompson. Three of those have at some point been the mayor of Blackburn. One of them used to play for Blackburn Rovers. Which one do you think? Hoyle, Eccles, Miller, or Thompson? Uh, Thompson. I'm afraid he's a former mayor of Blackburn. The correct answer is John Miller. That's Miller spelt <coughs> M-I-L-L-A-R. And for those of you on camera, see, I'm, I'm holding up my copy of Mike Jackman's Blackburn Rovers, the official uh, encyclopedia. So John made 151 appearances between 1987 and 1991. He was one of those players that I think Don Mackay brought in when we much like today, he didn't have two farthings to rub together. Uh, his 151 appearances yielded one goal. That's the kind of goal-scoring midfielder that we were crying out for back then. So sorry, James, you 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 failed there, I'm afraid. I'm going to turn now to Holly. 
Same rules apply. Four names. Michael Wood, Luke Bates, John Shorrock, or John Simpson. That's Michael Wood, Luke Bates, John Shorrock, or John Simpson. Three of those were the mayor of Blackburn, Blackburn with Darwin. One played for the Rovers. Which one played for the Rovers? Just going to point out that this is really mean. Of course. <laughs> um, and I am going to go for Shorrock. Shorrock, as in the uh, alarm and electrical people up on Shadsworth. Uh, is it a wrong answer, I'm afraid? The oh, correct no. answer is Michael Wood, or Mick Wood, as he was known. Uh, Mick made 166 appearances, but scored twice as many goals as John Miller. He appeared for Rovers from 1970 to 1978. He was a left-back yeah. and utility player born in Bury on the 3rd of July, 1952. So, Roger, can you... Break the code. Can Come you on, tell Roger. who is the Hope Rovers so. player from this list of Blackburn Rovers? Sorry, list of Blackburn mares. You have got James Watson, John Tarbuck, David Foster, or William Wilson. That's I, James I, Watson, John Tarbuck, David Foster, or William Wilson. I feel like such a little blackbird here because I actually know two of the previous mayors that you've just named on the list. So um, please repeat the names. James Watson, John Tarbuck, David Foster, or William Wilson? William Wilson. Is correct. You are the star prize winner. Our star prize being my undying affection and admiration. Uh, known as Billy Wilson, he was one of well, my first... I said he was first... a 50-50. 50... With who? Who was the other one that you thought might be? With uh, Well, I, I, def I definitely know David Foster <laughs> and <laughs> James Watson. Extraordinary. So it was the other name. So Billy Wilson played for Rovers between 1963 and 1972, making 277 appearances. He was a full-back, and he was the Ryan Nyambi of his day because he scored zero goals. But he was one of my earliest heroes, and we sold him to Portsmouth. And I was really, really upset on the day that that transfer was announced. Little did I know how many more of my Rovers heroes would be sold over the years. So Roger is our prize quiz winner on this episode of The What Now Show. Well done, Roger. I'm just saying, though, that I usually say to people, Blackburn's such a small place that if you're from Blackburn, you kind of know everyone from Blackburn, and that just reinforces my sort of horror that Blackburn's a small town where everybody sort of knows everybody. Somewhere. Although I must admit, if you'd have asked me the two other questions, I did guess them right, but I didn't know any of the mayors, so that, I'm holding my hands up for that one. <laughs> oh, Robert, there you go. Uh, th thanks for joining us on this week's What Now show, the 4,000 Halls podcast. You've been joined by Ian Herbert, James Marsh, and Holly Hawksford, and myself, Roger Whiteside, in what hope actually gets out there, because it's been quite a gremlin-filled uh, podcast behind the scenes here with technical difficulties all over the show. So if you're hearing this, credit to you, Ian, for some magnificent editing and uh, thanks for you all joining us. Thanks for spending your time with us this afternoon, this evening, this morning, whenever you listen to your podcast, be sure to follow us on all the uh, social media platforms on Twitter at Rovers Fanzine. And obviously you can get involved in any of the threads on the brfcs.com forums where there's a very active couple of threads on there. Two of my personal 
from my entire time on BRFCS, the we're going up thread and the we're going down thread. So for everything from the glass half full to the glass half empty brigade out there. We'll see you in a couple of weeks, hopefully for an October review. Until then, stay safe. I'll see you soon. Bye. It's not been a good technological night. This has not been a good night. This is... uh... Is testing things to put it more pedantic ears. I'm going to play that on the thing. Hi, Lewis Travis here. Just wanted to say I'm listening to 4000 Holes podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.